You gotta take care of your workers. Nurturing the employee experience has become a very important thing for both HR and communicators in the past few years and especially these days. From that first job interview all the way to the onboarding process and the retirement ceremony, employees are a valuable part of your organization and you have to take care of them. And that means you have to communicate with them effectively. Today, we're gonna to look at 12 employee communications tips with Debbie DeWitt, Marketing Communications Manager for Physix, who makes digital signage software, in case you didn't know. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Derek. I'd like to thank Debbie for talking to me today, and I'd like to thank all of you for listening. This is Digital Signage Done Right. Whether you're new to digital signage or a seasoned pro, this podcast gives you practical advice about systems, communications, and content to better engage your audience. I'm Derek DeWitt, Communications Specialist for Physics. Welcome to Digital Signage Done Right. People got to feel like they're a part of the culture, a part of the organization, not just a, a, a cog that could be replaced by a robot someday, right? They need to feel connected, involved, valued, uh, so that they're happy and productive. Yeah. I mean, the, the term that's being used for this is employee experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, it's everything from when you first interview someone all the way until they retire or leave your organization. So those communications do need to be effective and engaging. And there are a number of things you can do to make sure that happens. A specific number, 12. I have 12 of them. Yes, I'm, I'm a stats person. I'm a list person. You she, know that. I'm she a list is. person. I caught her once making a list of lists that she needed to make. That's how deep into lists she is. It was helpful. <laughs> All right, ready? So I'm going to throw them at you. Number one, build trust, credibility, and accessibility, which sounds like three things, but it's actually really one thing. Yeah, this is all about your tone of voice and your communications and what you choose to present. The very basic is always be truthful. Be don't on- lie. Don't right. lie. Right. Be honest, but also be transparent. You know, don't withhold certain things and only tell others. I think this starts with your mission, your values, things like that. Values are very important to employee experience because they need to know what, what you as a business, what you stand for. And because remember, you're not a business, you're a bunch of people. Mm. So what do those people believe in? DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion. These are big topics now. So you need to share those values. And it really needs to come from the top. You know, your C-suite, your managers and things like that. Your frontline employees need to see that you're not just saying this stuff. You need to do what you say. Yeah, people are a little more savvy maybe than they used to be. We can smell lip service and BS. Everybody at every level needs to understand that there's a direct correlation, a relationship between how effective your communications are and employee engagement and what your business outcomes are. Sure. Okay. Number two, back up your words with actions. Walk your talk. Exactly. So I, I just said this a second ago, but yeah, this is about building trust. You know, the, not only being transparent, but if you say, hey, we're going to tell you everything, but then our actions don't actually match what we told you, you're going to lose your employees. They're going to have no faith and they're going to tune out and they're not going to be engaged. Yeah. So, a broken promise, it would be better to have never made that promise than break it. Yeah. I mean, I think we all saw this with greenwashing. As soon as the environment became a topic, you had everybody putting out that their brand was sustainable or that they, you know, they believed in uh, being part of the community and part of the world. And yet, you know, I I can't even recycle in the lunchroom. So how does (laughs) that work? Right. And again, as I said, employees are much more savvy because they're using all these uh, digital communication technologies in their 
personal lives. So it's a very simple matter for me as employee X to just go, hmm, the company says that they're focused on environmentalism. Let's see if that's true. Google, Google, Google. Oh, they're not. Exactly. And I mean, that's a that's a big part of it. You know, one of the worst things you can do is say, you know, we're all in this together. And yet you don't have any method for your employees to give you any kind of suggestions or have a voice in things. They'll notice that. And the fact is, you know, three strikes and you're out. And the fact is you only get so many mistakes or untruths or just miscommunications. You know, it doesn't have to be intentional, but you need to correct it immediately if you do miscommunicate something. Because again, it's all about backing up words with action and building trust. Mm, sure. Three, know your audience, understand them. Absolutely. And we've got podcasts and white papers and blogs on this. It's really about, this isn't just going, well, I have this many employees and this is the breakdown of job titles and these are the basic demographics. That all is important too, but you need to know their interests, their preferences. To engage somebody, you have to get their attention and you have to give them something they care about. Right. Like one of the examples that I constantly think about is, you know, if it turns out that, uh, wow, uh, 15% of the workforce is really into NASCAR, then that's a way that maybe I can reach out to them. That's a way I can engage them because they're really all, they all talk about it. They all go to the pub after work and they watch the races and they, I don't know what they do, trading cards. People don't do trading cards anymore probably, but you know, whatever they're doing, you know, sharing links, sharing videos and so on, you know, or they're wine collectors or whatever it is. Like we do with medicine today, we don't just treat the symptom, we treat the whole person. It's the same thing. Communicate to the whole person that is your employee. They're more than just a series of functions in your organization. Yeah, because when you understand your audience, you can tailor different communications. It's not going to be, oh, I've figured out this audience, which is everyone and everything, and now I'm going to dial everything to go out to everyone and be engaging. It's not going to happen. You're going to have different targeted messages. I mean, localization is something we talk about a lot. Something as basic as a sports pool going on, or you're doing some campaign that you're using, you know, sports imagery. Well, be careful because like college football fans, like they're, they're crazy. Like they are loyal. So I can't believe you put those losers up there. Right. You don't want to put like the, the, the enemy on some screen and, you know, but I, I'm from Ohio and Ohio state has got a, a very loyal following and you do not want to throw up like Michigan or somebody, but localizing is very important. Um, especially with the work from home trend localization has changed what it means it can mean down to the desk now I'm not saying you're going to personalize every message but you do need to understand their interests you also need to understand how they want to get your messages Mm -hmm. there are more digital channels that they can go to so you need to look at which of those are preferred and quite frankly on this one if you're not sure if you're going great understand my audience what am I supposed to do ask everybody the answer is yes if you can have face-to-face conversation you're a small business fantastic if not surveys are the best way to get this done and it doesn't just stop with you know, asking them, what do you want? And when do you want it? Where do you want to get it? You need to follow up. And because the fact is, we all know with surveys, sometimes people answer one thing, but their actions say something else. So you Mm. do have to measure. And don't ask questions, for example, that seem like they have action items on them. Like, hey, how would you prefer that we do this? And then nothing changes because then no one's going to want to answer subsequent surveys and questions. Four, give people context. It's no longer enough to just say, do it because I said so. People need to to understand why. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you go back to the old reporting, the, the five W's and an H, you know, who, what, when, where, why, and how, um, you need to cover those things. And it turns out that for adults, what 
what and why are the most important factors, especially for employee communications. Mm. What do you want me to do? Why am I doing this? So I need the context. Don't just say, we need you to sell this many things this month, or we need you to do these four tasks by this date for this project. You need right. to say, because it affects things like this. Right. I mean, you don't have to go too deep into it, but uh, but they do need to have some kind of a, a context. Stack those boxes over there. That's just not good enough. Right, exactly. Like safety messaging tends to be quite short because people assume, well, everybody knows if you don't wear your protective equipment, there could be a problem. It's much more effective to say this percentage of injuries are caused by not wearing PPE. Right, it, especially I think with things like that, with the safety gear and so on. I saw something recently, I can't remember what it was, but it showed that in, say, like a warehouse, for example, when an employee first starts working there, you'll see a high number of accidents. Then the number of accidents drops off rather dramatically because they're following all the procedures. But then after they've been there a couple of years, we see another spike in warehouse accidents because people forget. Everything just becomes rote and they just kind of forget. So it doesn't hurt to remind people. Yeah, I mean, we all do this. How often do you actually follow the rule? You're working from home now. You might even be on a laptop. How often do you follow that rule of, hey, every 20 minutes, take 20 seconds and look at something 20 feet away? I mean, we've all heard these, <laughs> you know, does or that. make sure your desk is the right height, you know, mm -hmm. set up ergonomically, you know, don't slouch. Uh, you know, we all do this. So yeah, reminders are good. So it's kind of a, a twofold process. You want to give larger context, but you also want to be specific about what are the results, what are the benefits? Mm -hmm. You know, like I said, you, you don't want to just say, hey, there's a new course online. Say like the new time management course will save you 20 minutes a day. Right. You know? So go ahead and spend 30 minutes now to participate in it so that you can save 20 minutes a day every day for the rest of your life. Right. I would say the context, you know, it may be we need you to do this because, meaning the impetus that drove whatever this communication is, but a lot of it's going to be outcome based because uh, if you do this then this sure five use multiple channels don't just use email for example, you got to have some variety. Yeah, absolutely. And and the fact is, you know, people have more and more ways to connect with the organization and with each other. And it's kind of like the old yarn about advertising, you know, just repetition, 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 but it's true. And even though you're localizing or personalizing more than you used to, you still need to have consistency across those channels and reinforce those communications across all of those channels. Mm. I mean, also, you said advertising reminds me of the other old saw about advertising which is that 50% of the money you spend on advertising is a waste of money, but I don't know which 50%. So if you're using a little bit more of a shotgun approach, at least in the early stages before you can get some kind of feedback and fine tune your offering and the way that you communicate to your specific audience, it's probably not a bad idea to try a bunch of different things. And it, you might be surprised. Oh, it turns out teams really took off. Everybody loves it. Right. I mean, the fact is right now, a lot of organizations are adjusting to the hybrid office, to people working working from home or learning from home. So there is a lot of experimentation going on. 2020 was big for experimentation. The biggest thing is let people know all the choices of how they can get communications. Mm -hmm. uh, like you said, maybe it's a little bit of a shotgun at first, but you're still consistent with your messaging. Uh, and then get that data, do the surveys, find out what they prefer, and uh, whatever you land on, make sure they're trained and comfortable with it and satisfied with it. Six, communicate regularly. 
and even I might say predictability. So for example, the common wisdom for podcasts is choose a day and a frequency and then stick to it as much as humanly possible. Don't some weeks put out two episodes, then do nothing for four weeks. You have to be regular so that it becomes predictable or it becomes sort of standard and just part of the system. Well, I would say be consistent, but be systematic. Mm -hmm. You know, you got to have a plan in place put together an editorial uh, communications or editorial calendar. You know, we do something uh, at Visix every Wednesday. There's a question time on the intranet. It's just a fun question that people can respond to, trying to make sure we have a, a personal face. People can talk with each other. It's a, something a little bit fun. It comes out every Wednesday, every Wednesday afternoon. So people know, because not everyone is drilling down the intranet every day, all day. They're all busy. But people who enjoy that, they go there every Wednesday for that. That's just an example. But I think the biggest thing in terms of consistency and communicating regularly is finding that balance between too little and too much mm -hmm. and making sure you're not overloading people. That's huge right now. Burnout is a big, big issue with the work from home culture. So you need to be aware of that, but also just knowing to spread it out. You have a lot you need to communicate, but you don't need to do it in these tight bursts of a lot at once. Seven, be clear, be concise. Yeah, we've, we've got a couple of blogs on best design practices, and you actually wrote a couple about using language and keeping your text tight. And that's, that's all this is, is a reminder. Use those best practices. Don't use 10 words when you can use three. Um, don't use a lot of jargon. I mean, if it's shorter, yeah. If you're absolutely sure everybody knows what that means, then sure, go ahead and use it. Yeah, I, I personally believe that you should write just like you're talking to someone. Imagine the person sitting next to you and you need to explain this to them. Right. You're not going to read the text from your HR department's policy. You're going to explain it to them. That's what you should do in your messaging. I would also say, I think a lot of people still have this idea, partly because at least my generation, we're certainly trained to write in a more formal style. And so we have a tendency when we're writing something, an email, a blog, a report, and so on, to be wordier and to use a lot more jargon and a lot of unnecessary language. And yet modern digital communication methods are, like you said, much more akin to speaking with someone. And so you kind of have to make that mindset adjustment of just because you're typing it doesn't mean that it's writing. It's really just sort of written speech. It's a whole different way of, of approaching communication. Yeah, absolutely. And this isn't any communication. It's not even just digital signage messaging, but I think in anything, email, mm -hmm. you know, there there's a lot that could be learned by a lot of people about brevity in email. Oh my God, is that the truth? But uh, I will say the biggest thing is, you know, we also said not only concise, but be clear. Because if you're not clear, if people don't understand, it leads to misinterpretations. And even though we're, we might be more remote now, they can start spreading that as misinformation and mm -hmm. then it just turns into a cluster. A kludge. Number eight, make it interesting. Please. Please. Don't, don't just throw out dry, boring stuff. Make it interesting. This is what visual communications are all about. I mean, you have to grab attention. Uh, in theory, they say you've got several seconds. Uh, you've mentioned on several things that, you know, you got to get people to look away from their phone and that's that means you need to put something up that they care about. So, and whether it's an email or a team's message or anything else, uh, you need to spark their interest. This goes back to knowing your audience and what interests them. And the other thing is just 
really, you know, use a lot of visuals. Visuals mm-hmm. are the way to do that. I mean, unless you've got a, a clever headline or something very catchy that is going to make people tune in, uh, I'd say visuals are your biggest friend here. And visuals can also help you with that um, brevity as well. You know, an example I used once was you're advertising that in the afternoon, coffee's half price. So you have a nice picture of some coffee. You don't need to also write the word coffee. We get it. Yeah. It's coffee. I know what coffee is. Picture of that half price in the cafe this afternoon only. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And in many cases, especially if it's a longer subject, uh, you don't want to try and do that. I mean, sometimes you're going to have to do some policy thing in an sure. email, and we understand that. But for like digital signs or Teams or some desktop app, you're going to want to basically uh, use something visual, use a hook so people are interested, and then send them somewhere else for the rest of it. Um, and I would say this is where campaigns can help a lot. You know, don't instead of trying to cram a lot into a single communications if you can make it a campaign we're all used to campaigns now like like a story like it's an unfolding series of connected information bursts yeah people like narratives Hmm. number nine check for understanding don't just assume because you sent it that it was opened or looked at and just because it was looked at don't assume that they understood it we have in another podcast that a lot of people are measuring reach which means it was delivered maybe it was seen maybe it was interacted with you know if it's on a if it's on a digital sign uh, they you know went out to the web page that you gave them or it was an email this many people opened it but um, you need to look at understanding because yeah just the fact that it got there isn't enough and again I would say if it's misunderstood uh, if there's a mistake if it's not clear if it's not concise and they walk away with the wrong idea what happens in many cases is they're not going to say oh i totally misunderstood that right. employees are going to say wow you did not communicate that well and that yeah, that, erodes, exactly right. that erodes yeah. trust it erodes engagement so you need to say did you understand that i would suggest don't just check after do a little bit of work before it goes out you know if you're mm-hmm. designing some some message or some campaign have a few people look at it and say is this clear does this make sense or you read this what did you take away from it mm-hmm. and if they just say i just got that you put this policy in place and they totally miss the fact that they're supposed to sign up for something or right. enroll yeah. then you know you have an issue so i'd say you know check for understanding with a few people before you put it out and then absolutely measure that after it's out Number 10, measure effectiveness. This is very much on the heels of what you just got done saying. Make sure that you have, and keep in mind, just because there's a measurement tool or method available, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's useful for you and your specific communications and audience. How useful is it that this many people opened the email? Well, if it's not useful, don't measure that because it's pointless. Yeah, there's there are a lot of things called vanity metrics out there. It's how a lot of people sell their services. You know, we delivered... 500,000 emails this month, right? How many were opened? How many actually clicked through the call to action? How many did this? Not in internal communications, but this is something that marketers use a lot. I I, I think of YouTube videos like, oh, I got this many views. And then if you actually go into the insights and and drill down, you're like, hmm, YouTube is counting a 10 second viewing of my five minute video as a view. I don't know that that's what I was aiming for. Right. So in that case, don't count, don't look at views, look at dwell time, look at how much of the video they're watching. So rate or we whatever. talk a lot about yeah. you care about what you measure so make sure you're measuring the right things 
the effectiveness of your communications. You want to look at the call to action, how many people took it and look at the business outcome. You know, look at, did they go through with what you wanted them to do? Every campaign should have some outcome tied to it. Even if it's something like a lot of people think, oh, well, if it's an event, I just put up the event. How am I supposed to measure that? Well, you can measure it, you know, put something on it that says, you know, show this QR tag when you show up to the event. And then that way, you know, this many people came to the event, you know, hopefully because they saw this. So there are ways, I, I think we've got another blog, which I'll link to that it basically tells you a bunch of different examples and how you can actually measure ROI. Number 11, beware of information overload. Every time you communicate with somebody, you're kind of interrupting them, right? Don't do that too much. Yeah, absolutely. You know, everybody, everybody's got work to do and you are interrupting them and maybe they like it, maybe they don't. My job is not to get your communications. I have other things to do. Right. And the fact is we're all working from home more. We all have more channels that we're managing because remember, not just work communications, but all the social communications, all the life communications. We're talking to our kids' schools. We're talking, we're on social media, you know, we've got all these things going on. So people are handling a lot of information, a lot of emails, a lot of different portals. So just be very careful. This goes back to us talking about how regularly you want to communicate, how you don't want to do that this sort of dump of a lot of information. And then you also don't want to just go quiet for a week. Mm-hmm. So streamline your interactions, communicate regularly. And the other thing, again, I'm going to say is survey your people. Ask them, is this too much? Is it too little? You know, are you getting overloaded? Are you feeling burned out? And and again, make sure that you're, if whenever possible, using a communication method that uh, that works for them like me in my personal life if somebody sends me an email and expects me to respond in a couple of hours it's not gonna happen I check my email once maybe twice a day if I remember to do that so sending me an email is the worst way to communicate something to me if you require me to respond quickly. Well, when it comes to organizational communications, hopefully you've got some policies in place about that kind of thing. Maybe you even have a way that people can tell you their preferences. But certainly I think the point here of information overload is just be very aware of information burnout Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to workload burnout and work around that. Number 12, the last one, remain flexible. Agility is the watchword for all organizations in the 21st century. You heard it here first. <laughs> People are going to be talking about this in at the end of the century. They're going to go, that Derek guy, he really knew what he was talking he about. He was a prophet. He was a prophet. Yeah. Well, I would say, you know, if 2020 taught us anything, it's that things can change very quickly and they can change a lot. What's what's the law or whatever? Like technology advances exponentially. It doesn't just like slowly creep. It's right. Yeah, it's it's an exponential increase. Moore's law, maybe. We'll look that up. Um, Yeah. Look it up yourself. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, technology affects every facet of the workplace now. So that's automatically going to be a reason to remain flexible. In terms of planning for your communications, I think you're going to have overarching goals that are sort of evergreen things like engagement things like well-being yeah we we want our people to be happy all the time yeah things diversity inclusion these are going to be overarching things that should become just part of the organic fabric but your tactical stuff you're going to need to have plans but remain flexible and in general you you'll certainly have a plan for the year you're in but there are people who are doing detailed tactical plans for like three years and i understand that especially at the very very large company level but even in those plans they build in flexibility or Mm -hmm. i hope they build in flexibility 
profitability because you don't know what's coming down the road. I mean, obviously the marketplace could affect your company. Mm -hmm. Uh, It could affect the company size or its processes or what it does or what it concentrates on, but also your employee pool is changing. You know, each generation has different priorities and internal communications is so tied to HR and so tied to those employees that Mm -hmm. as their preferences and as you know your audience and those preferences change, you're gonna need to be adaptable. Mm, that's very true. All right, so that is 12 tips for better employee communications, stuff that you can start doing right now. And if you're already doing some of them, good for you. It sounds a little soft maybe, but I would say it's just like any other relationship. It needs work. It needs good communication. Mm. Yeah, that's true. And you have to keep things uh, interesting and you also have to respect each other. I think that's something that was certainly missing from uh, a lot of jobs I had when I was younger. Now, granted, a lot of those are retail jobs, but still. And you're 100 years old. And I'm 100 years old, yeah. But, you know, uh, there was very much this attitude of like, you should be thankful you have a job, shut up and do what you're told. And those days are just, they're just gone. Yeah, I'm thrilled. I I love the new workplace. Even before hybrid and all of this hit, we were talking about the the modern workforce and it's just come so far um, in the last decade. I mean, Mm -hmm. it, it started really with the tech companies way back when changing this culture, but communications has really risen to the level that they're being listened to more, the more of a priority than it ever has been before. And so I think it's a very bright future. All right. Well, thank you for talking to me today, Debbie. You're welcome. And thank you everybody out there for listening to this episode of Digital Signage Done Right. Hey, want more free stuff? Then head to the resources section of physics.com for free masterclass guides, blogs, videos, and more to help you with your digital signs. Please share, subscribe, and leave a review of this episode and connect with us on social media. 